This is our confession. This is what we believe. This is what our life is known by. Lord, this is how we operate. Every day, every moment, as we conduct the enterprise of your kingdom here on earth, we know, we are convinced, we are persuaded of who we are and whose we are. And Lord Jesus, there is no circumstances, no tribulations, no trial, no challenges of life will be able to convince us otherwise. There is an indelible mark and fingerprint of God in our heart confirming that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And so, Lord, as we proceed in this conviction, let your Spirit divine continuously prevail over our thought, over our faculties, over our thinking. Let your Spirit divine prevail every moment, every day. Confirming in our spirit that we are sons and daughters of the living God. Our spirit communing with you in open conversation that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And this almighty God we propel us in everything we do, in everywhere we go, to the glory and to the praise of your holy name, as we worship in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You are welcome. Let's be seated. I think that was so timely. I didn't want us to sing another song. <laughs> because that was so, so good and so timely. That is the summary of everything we're talking about. And that is where I think God wants us to be. God is looking to such a time where every one of us, we have no iota of doubt. Every moment, every second of our lives, that this is the truth. Everything else is a lie, according to the scriptures. This is our reality. So, everything else is fake. Fake news. This is the truth. Amen. And, and, and as, we, as we think about that, we're just going to, you know, roll in. Last Sunday, we talked about, um, we just tied to it, the conversation, if you know the gift of God. And, and I think it is that ignorance, the fact that we probably do not comprehend or do not know the gift of God to the point which God 
is designing for us to know. And I think it affects everything about our lives as Christians. If you know the gift of God, that was what Jesus said to that woman. You will know for a fact that Jesus was not thirsty. We read from the book of John chapter 4. I don't think Jesus wanted to drink water based on how the conversation progressed. He wasn't looking to drink water. He wanted to pass a message to us. The encounter with the Samaritan woman was all about us coming to the realization of what is in front of us. This woman was with Jesus, in front of Jesus, having a conversation with Jesus. and said, Jesus said, if you know the gift of God, you will have asked and he will have given you living water. And so the Spirit of God is saying to us that we need to come to the knowability. We need to come to a point where we know, just like we sang, where we know beyond every shadow of doubt the gift of God that has been given unto us. Because as soon as we know, Jesus was convinced that if that woman knew, her story would have been different. That's why he was telling her, if you know the gift of God, your story would have been different. And so the woman asks, you know, several questions, and that's, that's, that's where we're going to take off tonight. Like I said last Sunday, what we're trying to see, to see is to look at the, the attitude, the character, the, uh, um, the situation in this story and look at ourselves and, and ask the question, do I really know the gift of God? Am I like this Samaritan woman? Amen? But I guarantee you, <laughs> this Samaritan woman is far way ahead than many of us. Amen? And I think that's why Jesus chose the Samaritan woman. I, get, I, get, I bet he would have chosen a Jew. A Samaritan woman that, you know, we would have considered as um, alien to God. Amen? So like I quoted Martin Luther King, it says, ignorance is the most dangerous thing. Ignorance is the most dangerous things on earth. Amen? But we're not going to camp there. So let's, let's look at that story quickly. And I want to point out a few things um, that we're not able to point out uh, last Sunday. And we'll just pray. Because I believe the song we just sang is going to be ringing in our heart all day long as we continue in this journey. Amen? There was, I mean, I think the, um, if you think about it, if, if you think about it, um, I didn't want to read so many scriptures, um, looking for the one that we can uh, read and just tell some stories. In the, in the, I've, I've looked at, the, at Christianity, and I think this sheer ignorance is not limited to just one person, and if you want to blame people, or, you know, looking for someone to blame, there is enough blame to go around. You can blame the teacher, the pastor, the preachers, and the evangelists, right? Yes, 
there's enough blame to go around. And by at the end of the day, you will look at yourself as well. And you will see that you are also to be blamed. Right? Because if you look at the churches and the church history and, and the traditions of the elders and all that we have done in the church as pastors, evangelists, preachers, um, ministers, or whatever names you know, we, we have given ourselves, even though Jesus said we are all brothers, we prefer the other names than the one Jesus gave us. Say, ye are brethren. Ye are brethren. <laughs> That's why I love the message translation. He said, you are all classmates. <laughs> you are all classmates. But over the ages, we love, you know, the other names. We love the other names, but the one Jesus gave. And that is part of the understanding, the misunderstanding, I should say. That is part of the, the, the fact that we don't know the gift of God. Because if we knew everything Jesus said to us, we supersede. You wouldn't prefer to be called a pastor, an evangelist, a circumference bishop or archbishop. You would have preferred brethren. Because that's what the gift of God in you is saying. Amen? We won't have time for all of those. But, over the ages, I think the pastors, the preachers, the teachers, the senior brothers and sisters in Christ, they have some portion of blame. Because we have not helped. We have not helped in ensuring that the people of God understand the gift of God. And you will see that in several of our, of our teaching. Like I always reference, I think the, the best place you want to look is just watch the way we pray. There was not too long ago, I don't remember how long now, there was a sister who was a Muslim convert that came to me and said, I'm born again. I have a Muslim background. And, but I, I've been told that I need deliverance because of my background to break all the ancestral causes. Um, I know I'm born again. So I want you to pray with me to be delivered from demonic forces. And, and, and that is what the teachings that preachers have done is doing to the kingdom of God. And I asked the sister, I said, sister, did you say you're born again? She said, yes. And now you need deliverance. He said, yes. I said, the salvation you have, who gave that to you? He said, Jesus. Okay. Jesus gave you salvation. She said, yes. And you want me to perfect the work he has done? I said, did Jesus forget something when he saved you that you now want me, a bald-headed boy, to come and perfect? What did he forget? What was it that he did 
did not remember to do. That you are now asking me that I am still trusting God to come and lay hand on you and perform deliverance. So Jesus forgot about the deliverance when he saved you. And I opened the scripture to her that you already have in you the power to cast out demons. How do you think demon can reside in you? When you already have the authority to cast demon out, when you get born again, that was deposited in you. And she was, say, wow, nobody ever told me that. And we prayed. But there are churches there are ministries that are built around this. Casting out demons out of Christians. Delivering, performing deliverance on believers. How? If you knew the gift of God. When Jesus gets into a body, demons cannot cohabit. Or coexist in that body. It's impossible. But the lack of understanding of our precious or our elder brothers and sisters is causing a lot of havoc in Christianity. Rather than instill confidence in the children of God, we are so comfortable in being looked at as demon chaser. The powerful apostles. And that is a big problem. Amen? And as Christians, we have a part to play. Every one of us. Because Jesus said, said, as newborn babes desire the sincere make of the word of God, whereby ye may grow. So we can't just say, well, it's because of the preachers, it's because of, uh, you know, elder brother. You have a part of the blame. When we come to God, we need to sit at the feet of Christ Jesus so that we can grow. Because God desires for every one of us to grow, to become mature in him, so he can do what he has called us to do. Amen? Part of this ignorance is, you know, it cascades down to so many things in Christians' lives. It affects the way we think. And from the way we think, it affects our relationship with God, the way we relate with him. It affects our attitude. It affects our relationship with others. The thought that goes on through our mind, I think there was, um, well, not, not just one, several studies, you know, according to psychologists, and um, that in human mind, the thoughts that 
traverses our mind every day is between 50,000 to 80,000. And 90% of those are negatives. And 80% are repetitive. The thought that goes through our mind every day. And so, there is power in our thought. If only we know how to use it. There is power in our thought if only we know how to think, think right. That's why in Proverbs 20, 23, verse 7, the Bible says, As a man thinketh, so he is. Fifty to 80,000 thoughts every day. 80% are repetitive. If you think you have demon, 50 to 80,000 a day, is going through your mind, and next day, 80%, the same, you definitely will have demon. Yeah. That's the power of our thought. That's why God said to us, as a man thinketh, so he is. Imagine if you flip it over. And every second, out of those 50 to 80,000 of those thoughts that traverses your mind, I am a child of God, is about, let's say, 20%. I am blessed in Christ Jesus, it's about 10%. Let's say, I am holy, I am righteous, I'm the righteousness of God, it's about 50%. I mean, imagine if we flip the coin and the thought that is going through our mind is now out of those 50,000 to 80,000, maybe you have close to about 90% of those, I mean, 80% is repetitive and 90% of those is positive. Do you think as a man thinketh so he will happen? It will happen. It will happen. The same way it's happening in the reverse. It will happen. If I'm thinking 24-7 that I'm a child of God, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and repeatedly, every day, 24 by 7, and 80% is repetitive, I guarantee you that's what I will be. Because that's what the scripture says. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he he is he. Hallelujah. See, when God is giving us these things, he expects for us to ponder and to meditate and to think. The power of your thought is unbelievable. And that's why every time we're admonished to think and to meditate, the psychology came up with this number and they are very scary. They are very scary. The guy that just went ahead and killed about 52 people, do you know why? It was from the thought. Every time he's looking at all those guns in his house, guess what is going on in his mind? The thought of just using those guns. 
the thought of just laying hand on, hand on the trigger and just pulling and having fun. And at some point in time, as he thinks, he became. He went ahead and just acted out the thought. Amen? Amen? That's why God said, guide your heart with all diligence. Because out of it proceed all the issues of life. The power in our thought. Hallelujah. That's one of the things we want to take control of. We want to use what God has given us. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So let's begin to look at the scripture and ask God to make it rema. So that as I begin to look at the thought in my heart, and I begin to renew my mind according to the word of God, I begin to diminish the negative 90%, and I want to maximize the positive to 90%. As I begin to do that, guess what? Grace is already available. The reason it's not happening is because we don't think about it. Grace is already embedded in that word. So, if you do the negative, it will happen. If you do the positive, it will happen. The grace is on that word. It depends on what you applied it to. And that's why we have to, if we don't know those songs, this kind of song, it, these are the things we need to sing. Because it will help. When the mind is, I do. That's why it is able to do those negatives. You really... You really can control it. The only way you control it is by filling it with something else. It cannot live in a vacuum. That's why Jesus said when you cast out a demon from someone, if nothing is in there, guess what? The demon will go and bring seven more. Worse than itself and occupy that empty place. So we need to occupy our mind with the thought of God, with the word of God, what God said to us. Repeat it to yourself. Convince yourself. Because God expects an open communication between our spirit and his spirit. And that's how this will play out. Amen? Amen? The power in our thought. Because of the lack of understanding of the gift of God in us, we often, we often ask the wrong questions. Again, we're looking at that woman of Samaria. You look at the question, the, the line of questions she was asking. And that's why I want us to compare ourselves, you know, to that woman. You can see her questions are legitimate questions, reasonable questions, good questions. Compare it to the question we ask when we are in trouble. Compare that to the question we ask when we have challenges. The question we ask shows that we do not know the gift of God. The question, the lines of our question reveals exactly that we don't know the gift of God. Let me read John chapter 9. John chapter 9 and see the kind of question I'm talking about here. I know we all know that we do ask questions that just doesn't show who we are. I'm telling you. AIG, two-year-old girl, I was, you know, watching... So when she needs something, she will say, 
like a candy. Candy now. Skitu now. And the mom was trying to teach her cosy. And say, you need to say please. And so they will be doing this drama. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God says to me, why do you want her to do please? So, so because that's just courtesy. Why would she say, I need it now? And God asked me, have you thought about the reason why she's saying what she's saying? Why do you think she's saying, I need it now, and saying that to me? I said, oh, well, because I'm probably the dad. Okay, think again. I was having that conversation with myself. I said, well, she knows I will give her regardless. She knows I love her. Then God said, yeah. Do you ask me things like that? And I was thinking, I said, okay, what? That's just not right. I said, yeah, but that's how I want it. I am not concerned with the language. I'm concerned with the attitude. I'm concerned with the heart from where that word came from. So she's saying it because she knew this is my father. And I changed my prayer from that moment. When I say something I want, I say, Lord, you know that? I need it. I, I, I need it, you know. Yeah. I need it. That's it. I'm telling you the truth. That's my attitude now. It changed my attitude. Because God was looking for that relationship, that kind of confidence, that kind of attitude, wherein I know it is my father. I'm talking to my father, and I know how much he loves me. And so that changed my attitude. Hallelujah. Look at John chapter 9. John chapter 9 from verse, let's just start from verse 1. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parent? Causing him to be born blind. Jesus said, you are asking the wrong question. You are asking the wrong question. Take a pause in a minute. How many times do you see yourself in trouble? And you be, the first thing that came to your mind is, maybe it's because of what I did. It must be because of what I did. I know I messed up. I sinned. If you know the gift of God, you see, the lack of the knowledge of the gift of God is ruining the kind of question and the line of our questioning. It shows, it is revealed when we ask God questions. See the question they were asking Jesus. Someone was born blind and the only thing that came to their mind was a sin. God is a wicked God. God has punished him as a result of his sin with blindness. And that's why the line of question was like that. And Jesus said, you are asking the wrong question. 
you were looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. The lack of understanding of the gift of God makes us ask the wrong questions. It shows the way we looked at God. It reveals who we think God is. And that's why every time we are going through trouble or challenges, we ask these kind of wrong questions. But when things are going good, we never do the reverse. Meaning, to attribute everything to God. Or to attribute it to our righteousness. Or because, you know, of our holiness or whatever it is. Why do we think or always think that God will punish us because of sin? When he sent his only begotten son to die for sin. How then? Will he now be punishing you with sickness? Punishing you with poverty or punishing you with whatever it is that you're going through? Or you just lost your job and say, yeah, I know. It was what I did last Sunday or last week. Yeah. Amen? The wrong questions. Jesus said, look instead for what God can do. And you will see it in the line of questions of that Samaritan woman. If you go back to John chapter 4 and read, amen? You don't have time to jump back and forth. I'm just going to mention the other few things. Wrong attitude. Lack of the understanding of the gift of God also triggers wrong attitude. Wrong questions, wrong attitude. Look at the attitude of the woman. He said, if you know the gift of God, you have asked, and he will have given you a living word. He says, sir, attitude. Sir, the well is deep, and you don't really have anything to draw. Where will you get that water, that living water you just told me about? Where will you get it from? Attitude. Attitude. The lack of the understanding of the gift of God triggers wrong attitude. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. Isaiah chapter 40, 27 through 31. Uh, we might not, uh, well, let's see if we can read. Why would you ever complain? O Jacob, or wine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you heard? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. 
He is creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath, and he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. Hallelujah. Wrong attitude. I'm not going to dwell on that. I think we are all we are in agreement. That's our attitude. What have I done to deserve this God? What have I done? If you know the gift of God. Hallelujah. Because God can never lose track of us. He said, I have inscribed you in the palms of my hand. Even if a mother forsake her suckling, I will never forsake you. Attitude. The lack of the understanding of the gift of God triggers the wrong attitude in us. And you see our countenance, we show. Our disposition, we show. Amen? Why? Because we don't know the gift of God. Hallelujah. I'm just going to stop because there's too many. What should we do? God is giving us that story to help us articulate what he is doing, the kind of relationship he's seeking. And all we need to do is just to embrace the truth. Embrace the truth. Let me read just one, uh, one or two. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. The lack of the understanding of the gift of God in us. The Father, I am born again. Jesus, the gift of God, is living inside of me. The lack of the understanding of what that means is a big problem. It triggers the wrong questions. It triggers the wrong attitude. And we walk around the street and no one knows who we are. Why? Because our heads are bowed. Amen? Like I said last Sunday, when you see a prince, I'm from a royal family. Nobody is beating drum or, or trumpet around in, in the United States. So, but when you see a prince wearing rags and walking the street with his head bowed, something is wrong. There are only two possibilities. Either the father, the king, has died and lost the throne, or he doesn't even know he is a prince, that he has an inheritance in the throne. One of those possibilities will be the only reason you will see a prince walking in rags with his head bowed. If we are the prince of God, 
the priests and the kings that he has made us. The only reason we will walk with our head bowed is if our king has died and lost the kingdom. But we know that's, that's impossible. He reigns. Jesus reigns. The king of kings, the lord of lords, is alive. He reigns forevermore. Of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Therefore, the second possibility is what seems to be the truth. The prince doesn't know he's a prince. He doesn't know he's the heir of the throne. That's why when God says, say, if ye being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give you the kingdom? Hallelujah. If you know the gift of God, you have asked. We need to embrace the truth. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. So, what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son. Is there anything else. He wouldn't gladly. And freely. Do for us. And who would dare tangle with God. By messing with one of God's chosen. Who would dare. Even to point a finger. The one who died for us. Who was raised to life for us. Is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us? Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble. Pay attention. Not hard times. Not hatred. Not hunger. Not homelessness. Not bullying threats. Not backbiting. Not even the worst sin listed in scriptures. If you know the gift of God. If we, if we know what we were given at salvation. The story of our life should change. Our attitude must change. The kind of question and conversation we have must change. The lack of understanding of what happened. When a child of God got born again is what is causing trouble in Christianity today. Imagine. Nothing can drive a wedge between us and the love of Christ. Hallelujah. So if I have this understanding and it's an indelible mark in my heart, do you think I will ask those kind of wrong questions? Do you think I will have those kind of wrong attitudes? No, because I already know. I know it cannot happen. God cannot punish a child with blindness because of the sin of the child or the sin of the parent. 
I wouldn't ask such question. God will not have my employer fire me because I messed up. I wouldn't ask those questions. I would be thinking the exact reverse. If I got laid up here, God has something. Our orientation will be completely different. Our attitude will be different. The way we conduct our affairs will be different. If we know the gift of God that is in us. Amen? I don't think I'm going to spend much more time. All we need to do is to embrace the truth. We need to educate our ignorance. We need to educate our ignorance. Because ignorance is the worst, according to Martin Luther King. It's the most dangerous thing. Innocent ignorance, he said. So we need to educate our ignorance. We need to think right. Change the garbages that are going into our thought. It's a conscious effort. If we don't make the conscious effort, it's not going to happen. It's not by automation. It's not going to happen by automation. We have to feed our mind with the thought of God in order to evacuate the garbages. Because something has to be there. Our mind cannot live in a vacuum. So we need to feed our mind with everything God has said concerning us. Everything he is saying about us should be what occupies our mind. So as we're going every day, those thoughts, the Holy Spirit is available. You have to put something there for him to remind you. That's his job. His job is to quicken us. His job is to remind us. Because Jesus said, he will remind you of the things that I have taught you. So we need to sit at the, at the feet of Jesus to educate our ignorance and feed our mind so we can think right. And we need to learn. We need to learn from the example of the Samaritan woman. Amen? And see what she did. As soon as Jesus told her that I know your father Abraham gave you this well, but I'm giving you another well. And the one I will give you will become a living water springing to eternity. You have something that is temporary, that's something that is physical, something that is, that is limited. But the gift of God that I'm talking about, if you have it, then what that will produce is something that will last for eternity. That's what he told that woman. And that's what Jesus has done for us. Everything in the gift of God lasts for eternity. That's why that scripture is saying God is not coming and going. No, God lasts. There's no way God can come and he's with you today, and tomorrow he's not. 
No. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you until I have accomplished that which I have said concerning you. We need to educate our ignorance, feed our thought with the thought of God, and learn. Amen? I'm going to stop there, and I just think we should... We should pray, and I'm going to read John chapter 14, so we can pray with that. John chapter 14, from verse 11, it said, Believe me, I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see. This works. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. Because I, on my way to the Father, I am giving you the same work to do that I have been doing from the beginning. You can count on it from now on. Whatever you request along the lines of who I am, And what I am doing, I will do it. That's how the Father will be seen for who he is in the Son. I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I will do it. Once we come to the understanding of the gift of God in us, just like Jesus is saying, I am in my Father and my Father is in me, we will have the same confidence. And he's saying, once you know that I am in you and you are in me, you know the gift of God that is in you. There is nothing you ask in line of that that will not be done. I don't know if you have enough faith to believe that. Just believe it because Jesus said it. All we need to do is to ask him to help us so that we can be in that alignment. All he's saying is, anything that you ask in alignment with this, who I am and what I'm doing, and that's the gift of God in us. He said it will be done. As we pray, in every corporate organization, Pastor Chas, if you propose a project and you are asking the organization for a million dollars, and the project is not in alignment with the goal of the organization, would that $1 million be approved? There is nothing we ask heaven that is not in alignment with this that will be answered. It is not approved. But everything that heaven has approved is whatsoever is in alignment Alignment with who I am and what I am doing. Jesus already approved that check. So when we are asking the wrong question, why did this don't, you know, this didn't happen, that didn't happen, my prayer is not, all those things, what God is asking us is to educate our ignorance. Let's go back to him.
and have him help us to educate our ignorance, to train us and to teach us how we can align the way he is asking us to align. Let's rise on our feet. Because if God cannot lie, if he is not a man that lies, and then this word is true. It's true. In, if our prayers are not being answered, and I have many that have not been answered, I can guarantee you that. Something is wrong with my alignment. So that's why I'm a work in progress. I'm not going to stop until I align. Such that everything I ask, whatsoever I ask, is done. That's the sign of my alignment. That's all I'm looking for. When I ask in that alignment, he said it will be done. So because there are multiple things in my prayer request, then I'm not in that alignment yet. That's the way I want us to approach this. I want us to go to God to help us to understand the gift that is in us. To understand what he is saying unto us. And as we cry unto him and as we study and begin to educate our ignorance, I guarantee God is going to take us there. He's not a man that he will lie. Neither is the son of man. He has said it. He's going to do it. Amen? So let's talk to God. Let's talk to him. Let's have a conversation with him. And this is something we will take home. We will continue to meditate on. And just go back and compare yourself to that woman, that Samaritan woman. And see, have I been asking the wrong question? Have I been having the wrong attitude? Could it really mean that truly I don't understand the gift of God that is in me? Lord, I need your help. I need your